0: you guys have seen it right have y'all seen this show hoarders where they have these boxes everywhere you know you go into in somebody's house have y'all ever known a hoarder someone that had all this this junk in their house and you can't get around and like this lady said she feels like she's fighting sur- for survival in her house she feels like that she can't uh get anything done in her house because there's all this stuff that it's like that every day she's just if she can just get around she feels pretty good she's just surviving and uh you know, I've seen this show a couple of times, and usually, just to be quite honest, it just really kind of grosses me out. It's not because I think that these people are bad people. It's just that I, I just don't get it, how you can live with that much stuff. And uh, I, I, I started thinking about hoarders like people are kind of like hoarders, not necessarily in the natural, but sometimes in our heart, we're kind of like hoarders we have these things in our heart these things in our life that we just hold on to as the years go by it's just like junk that builds up in our hearts right it's not like good precious moments and videos and and picture frames on our walls of good seasons of our life it's actually junk and clutter in our heart and it's keeping us from experiencing life as it was supposed to be lived I want to share with you a scripture tonight Ephesians chapter 4 verse 21 It says since you have heard about Jesus And have learned the truth that comes from him Throw off your old nature Everybody say my old nature And your former way of life Which is corrupted by lust and deception Instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes And put on your new nature Everybody say new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies and let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body and do not let sin, uh, and do, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own. Guarantee you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Paul is giving the instructions to this church. He's saying, listen, let's talk about your behavior a minute. You you need to act a little better. You need to put away the old way that you used to act, and you need to act the new way, the way that God has created you, the way that Jesus has died for you to respond and react out of. And then he starts bringing up all these issues about bitterness and rage and anger, and he starts bringing up all these things, and he says, and forgive. Forgive those Because you have been forgiven. And Jesus says it like this. He says, freely as you receive, freely give. How many are glad you receive forgiveness? So the thing is here is that we've got to learn not just that, hey, we're forgiven by God. It's all good. Listen, we've got to learn to forgive other people. Because if we're not, then what's happening is we are building up boxes in our heart. We are building up accounts. We're building up all these things that we think are going to help us someday. If I could just put it over here, then I'll always remember. I'll never forget, right? Isn't this is what we do? I, I, when, I, when I see this show, it really just gets me thinking. My, my gears just get grinding, man. People are, are like this. We just hold on to these things. An event happens, right? Something happens in our life. In, in the case of this TV show, they buy something. Right. But in our heart, it's an event. Right. An event happens. A person hurts us or a circumstance. Something bad happens to us. Right. It might not be a person. It might be a circumstance. The thing that we tend to do when circumstances come and things are hard, we say, God, why did you? We begin to put the blame on God. We begin to say, well, God caused this or God allowed this and all this time. And that that might even be the case. But instantly when circumstances happen to us, especially when people aren't involved, We normally kind of shift the blame to God a little bit. I know not you, but some people do. (laughs) So what happens after this event is we collect these boxes. They're boxes of emotions, boxes filled with with pain and images of moments, uh, 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 moments of, of pain and wounds and negative circumstances, hardships. Might be from offense, And so the next thing we know, we have all these boxes built up in our heart. We've got boxes over here and boxes over there, and they're like, they're just taking up space. I thought about bringing in like 100 boxes tonight, but that would have been a hassle. So I just got one box. And so we just, that's how we live. And we start just putting boxes in our house. And then we start to just, we we don't really want to get rid of the boxes. We don't really want to get rid of the junk. We just kind of function life with them there. We just kind of get by in life, kind of maneuvering around, kind of surviving like the lady on the video said, just surviving every day in this jungle of my house, just trying to get by every day with all the crud that's in my heart. And if I get through today without thinking about it, great. But the reality is is whether you think about it or not, it's still there. Right? And you know it and I know it. We're hoarders. These boxes take up space in our heart and they keep us from living free. And the problem is that they take up residence. So we're not able to fill our houses with the things, the house of our heart. We're not able to fill them with the things of God. We're not, we're not able to fill them with pleasurable things or things that will bring us delight. And in fact, they just become obstacles. But we don't get rid of them. We just learn to function with them there. Why do we do this? We've got to understand that these these things are very harmful to us. We I know that we feel entitled. You know, someone, someone offends us, right? Or someone hurts us or someone does us wrong. Come on, they do us dirty, right? Straight up dirty. And so what we think is we think, oh, no, they didn't do that, so I can't talk to them. Or I can't be friendly to them. Or you can't talk to them. So what we do is we kind of imprison these people Right? We're hoarders. We're keeping them locked up in our house. These moments, these experiences we've had. In my experience with this person, this has happened. So we're never able to experience change from that person. We're never able to experience growth from that person. Come on, we're never able to see good in that person because the box that we have is closed up and sealed and it's full of junk. And maybe the only junk in their life is the junk that you're holding on to. Listen, God doesn't ever want us to function out of fear. God doesn't ever want us to function out of anger. These are reactive functionality, right? Well, I can't trust people. Well, we've heard what they say. I know how they are, right? Well, in my experience, so we start making all these excuses. Why? Because we're living out of fear Right? We're living out of anger. We're reacting. We're not responding. We're not functioning in love. Are you with me tonight? So we hoard. So the, the kind of things that I'm talking about tonight, first of all, I'm kind of talking about hurt. Right? We've all been hurt. How many of you have been hurt? Oh, that's all of us. We've all been hurt. Right? Somebody has hurt us. Why? Because we live in a world full of people. Right? And we've all hurt people. Because we're people. And that's kind of what people do and the, or we get offended, right? That's what these boxes are full of. They're full of hurt, they're full of offense, they're full of unforgiveness. Well, it's not that I don't forgive them, I just remember. Come on, anger, resentment, hardness of heart. These are strongholds. I, I read a quote from Joyce Meyer uh, the other day that said this. It said, strongholds, the, devil, the only way that the devil can ever have a stronghold is if we give him a foothold. And so what happens is it just takes one little offense, and then now all, all of a sudden you've got ten boxes in your house. Right? Now, all the, all the, the, the person did you wrong one time, and now you have 15 boxes filling up the living room of your heart. You can't get over it. You think about it every day. It controls you. You can't love that person the way Jesus loves them. You can't see them the way Jesus loves them because of one little offense. It's called a stronghold. I'm here to tell you tonight that God wants to remove some boxes. You know, if one of the things that we learned from Nacho Libre, you ready for that clip? Josh, one of the things we learned from Nacho Libre. All right, so we're, you know, Nacho got it right, right? Beneath the clothes is the man, and beneath the man is... The nucleus, and I want to illustrate to you guys real quick a little bit, kind of what our heart looks like whenever we hold these things, when we kind of hoard things in our heart. First of all, we got a person here, and we got a heart. I, I, um, that, that's not to scale, uh, but I blew it up a little bit there for you guys so you can you can uh, get a, a zero in on. It. And so what happens if we just get, kind of click right there? Is that we have offense or we have hurt, right? Justifiable or unjustifiable? We got done, did dirty, right? Either we're hurt, or we're offended, or someone said something to us, and this. And so, what happens is, if you go back one more, Josh, go back, go backwards, right there. So it's just good, it's just heart, it's all good. But then all of a sudden, we kind of, we kind of close in around that, right? It's kind of like we we box up that heart that has. Hurt or offense. And listen, we do that most of this time. This black area represents anger in our lives or fear, even sometimes in our life. And so what happens is we're allowing our heart to get a little bit hard. Come on, we're a little bit, quote unquote, jaded because we don't want to get hurt again. Right? We don't want to get offended again. So we're like, okay, I'll just put some caution on there. I'll use wisdom. Right? Okay? And then what happens? Well, the offense and the hurt don't leave. It's just the skin gets a little thicker around our heart. We don't do anything to the offense. We don't get rid of the hurt. we don't get rid of the offense. We just develop a stronger callus, right? We just get a little bit more jaded. We just get a little bit more wise. So we would say, And just more, Josh, more. I think there's another click there. and then till it becomes our heart is just full of bitterness. And hardness of heart. This is why that normally when we see people that are bitter, usually they're older, right? Usually you don't see an eight-year-old kid that's been done and he's like bitter. I mean, every once in a while we'll see people like that. But normally we see this in people that have been around a while. Well, the reason is, is because they've held these things in their heart for all these years, for all these ages, to the point. To where we've actually closed our heart up and our heart is hard, but it's still got these things. Those things have never been going to let go. And why can't we let go of them? Because our heart is no longer tender. It's no longer functioning like a real heart. It's calloused. It's wounded. But nothing's going to come in and nothing's going to go out. Let me just say this right now. That if you don't let things out, then things can't come in of your heart. So if you, and, and listen. If your heart is full of these things, then you're not going to experience to the level. God might be able to move in your heart a little bit, but what eventually what's going to happen is you're going to run out of capacity in your heart because those are corridors of your heart that you're not allowing God to come in and do things. Is it okay tonight? So Hebrews chapter 12, check this out. I love the first word, work. You know what we call work, work for a reason? Right? Most people, you ask people, how's work? And they're like, oh. So I say, they call it work for a reason. Right? Work's work. And he says this work, that means it takes a little effort at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. Hmm, interesting. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. So look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Now, Paul here is talking... Of one or two things and and, and some theologians have said well Paul is actually talking about a person the root of bitterness is a person that would come in and basically destroy and that might or might not be the case but I also know that, that Paul is also speaking of a principle here to do not let negative situations come in and corrupt Okay, so what happens is we allow bitterness to come in and corrupt us, and it grows up to trouble us. and this is what happens when we hoard these things in our life, they cause trouble, right? Just like those boxes they're ev- there every day. they're in the way, they're ugly, they stink, they're getting on my nerves, and it's there. it's there to trouble you <laughs> and it cr- and it's corrupting many. <laughs> feels awesome when that sounds like that I don't feel anything it'd be cool if I did okay it's the Holy Spirit <laughs> okay <laughs> <They are tough> <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> that was okay so listen the first thing about hoarding is hoarding hurts and this is, isn't really in the notes but hoarding hurts it doesn't just hurt you but it hurts everyone else around you are you with me And that's why it says corrupting many here in the scripture. It doesn't just jack you up. It doesn't just trouble you. It actually corrupts many, the hoarding of your heart, the bitterness, the holding things in. And the next thing is that hoarding sucks. And by that, I mean that it like leeches. It's sucking the life that you have. It literally sucks and robs you from being a blessing to others. This is what hoarding does in our life. So tonight, I want to talk about packing away the boxes. Are you good? I think we all have boxes sitting in our heart, right? So tonight, I don't want to talk about packing away the boxes. We're going to pack them up. We're going to get rid of some of this stuff that's in our house, and we're going to put it in a moving truck, and we're going to say bye-bye. Are you good with me? We're going to, we're going to get it out of our life so that God can do a new thing in our heart. First of all, if we're going to pack away the boxes, and we're going to spell the word pack tonight. First of all, is that if we're going to pack away the boxes, we've got to come to grips with this paradigm that pain becomes a purpose. Now, I was going to say pain has a purpose, but I think that sometimes that when we say that pain has a purpose, we automatically think that God is the one that's inflicting the pain. Listen, my, my, my reality of God does not allow for a God that causes us pain in our heart. I don't think that God causes pain. I think God heals pain. He's the opposite of pain. He's restoration. Come on, he's healing. He's redemption. That's what God does. But in pain, there is a purpose. Because we will face pain, because it is a reality in our life, God chooses to take everything in our life and work something into it. So pain has a purpose, and it's important for us to remember this when we're, when, when we're trying to get rid of the stuff that, hey, that pain that happened to me, that thing that that person said could actually produce something in me good. And we say, no, 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 no. Everything in my life is bad because of what happened. But you've got to get the paradigm of this, that God is saying, Pain can become a purpose. Romans 5, 3, 4 says that we rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. If there is no pain, there is no hope. There's no hope that we'll get better. But you've got to have character before you can have hope, and before you can have character, you've got to go through some things and prove, persevere some things but you can't go through any perseverance if you don't ever have any pain and so God God is not the one that's causing the pain in your life but he is refining you through it are you with me and he's saying come on many times we're asking God God get me out of the situation get me out of the painful situation God's saying how about you just persevere through it let's endure through it I got I've got hope for you I've got hope for you. Just dig through it. And I don't think God's holding you over a fire. Don't get this bad idea and paradigm about God. But pain does have a purpose. Romans 8, 28. I love this scripture. I love it. I know it's one of the most overused scriptures. in the world. I don't know that you can really overuse it, but I believe it's one of the most used scriptures on the planet. It says that we know, and we know that God works the good. We know that God works the good of those that love him. And are called according to your purpo- to His purpose. We are called according to the purpose of God. We love God. So when pain comes, we know that God's going to work it out. And it might not work out today. And it might not work out next week. But we know that God is working it out because we serve a God who is progressive. We serve a God who is moving. And He's not going to leave you where you're at. He's going to help you. And there's a process. Listen, there's a process. Pain is a process. Getting through pain is a process. But listen, there's a process because there's a purpose. There's something at the end of it. And listen, when you, so when you're going through painful things, don't just sit around and mope and go, God, why is this happening? Instead, ask better questions like, God, who are you? Why is this happening? I never ask, I, I never question God on why things are happening. First of all, I think most of the things that we ask God that question, He's not the author of it. Well, God, why am I going through this? He's like, I don't because you were stupid and you made a bad decision. Oh, because they were stupid and they made a bad decision. Well, God, why didn't you stop this? Because God don't work like that. So change it, why not? God, near the reason. Why did this happen? Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a God that's been through some stuff in my life. I've been through some difficulties. I've been through these trials. But one of the things I've never done is close my eyes and go, go, God, why is this happening to me? Do you recognize how selfish that is, how, 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 um, how non-objective, how non-kingdom minded? God, why is this happening to me as if the world revolved around me for a moment? Instead, I just say, Jesus, this is painful, it hurts, it's devastating, and I just need you, Daddy, to wrap me up in your big old Daddy arms, and I need you to hold me, and I need you to just love on me, and if it doesn't get better tomorrow, that's okay. I just need you, Jesus. It's just like I sang Sunday or Saturday night. You're all I need. So get rid of the wise. So if we're going to pack away the boxes, we've got to recognize that. We've got to come to grips with the fact that the pain becomes a purpose. And even though God might not have inflicted it, he will certainly use it. He will use it. And that is the great hope that we have. This is the great hope that we have, that when life throws at us these difficulties and these challenges, and we're going, oh, my God, I can't believe so-and-so did this, or I can't believe this is happening, or why this and why that, at the end of the day, we can go, man, but God is a restorer. God is making all things new. When you get this paradigm, it totally shifts your, your, your ability to hope. And we stop living like victims. Everything's just so rotten. Why is everything happening to me? How about let's take you, and let you live in a third world country for a couple of weeks. Don't you see how life can really be Take you to a place where you can't go to a church and worship on a Saturday night because it's illegal and you'll get killed for doing it. So, painting becomes a purpose. Number two is admit it, don't deny it. Most of us have some boxes. I don't don't have any boxes. Most of us have some boxes. Some of us have lots of boxes. Most of us have a couple boxes laying around, right? Maybe some nice furniture could be there for the Lord to sit down on and have fellowship with us. I'll be, we'll, we'll hold on to that box. We'll shine it up a little bit, but the reality is it's still taking up residence in our heart. But admit it. Come to grips. I've got issues. That's what this series is all about, that we're doing reality. We all got issues. We all have real issues, but there's a greater reality that we're going after. We, we, we have these precursor statements we make, right? Because we want to have it all together. We want people to think we're spiritual. So we, we have these statements that we, we talk about this idea of hoarding or being bitter or being hard-hearted. Uh, but the reality is, is it doesn't really disguise what's going on. Right, I mean, we it's pretty good to indicate when people are bitter, right? We don't really have to pray about it. We don't normally have to, you know, hang around them very long to recognize that they've been through some things. Unless we become cynical, why don't we think, oh, maybe I've got some things that I'm a little bit bitter about. I just covered up a little bit better. Come on. So we say things like, I'm not offended, but... I'm not bitter, but I forgive them, but. And then so when someone calls us on it like I'm calling you on it tonight, we say, well, you don't know what they did. You don't know what it's like. And I'm not minimizing your pain, but I'm telling you there's a greater Reality. And all those statements is your hoarding talking saying, I'm not a hoarder. I'm not a hoarder. I'm not bitter. How many how many how many boxes does it take for you to be a hoarder? Is it does it take a living room full? Or maybe they're just stored up in your attic so nobody else can see. That's where I keep my boxes. <laughs> Nobody seeing my bitterness. Better admit it. Don't deny it. We all got some boxes. Don't let your hoarding do the talking. Just like that woman on that video. Everybody else around us knows it, and we're going out. You don't understand. You don't know what they did. You weren't there. You don't even know me. Right? All along, we're bitter. So number one, we recognize that pain becomes a purpose. And number two, we admit it. Most of us have boxes. We don't deny it. Number three, we communicate tenderly. Listen, I want to help you with something tonight. Yes, you're quiet in here. When, When someone hurts you, I know that it's easy to think I'm the most important person in the world. I know it's easy to think that. I mean, we all really think it. right? I mean, most of us are trying to live life in think i'm not that but most of the time that we're thinking about ourselves, right come on are you with me even when we have kids we're like trying so much not to think about ourselves we're trying to think about our kids we're trying to think about our spouse but most of us were really pretty selfish maybe you're not but i am and and so when somebody you know kind of crosses the line when they do something they're not supposed to do when they act wrong when they offend me or they hurt me then it's easy for me to go hey that ain't right and then i let the anger do the talking i mean you know that anger doing the talking is the hoarding doing the talking or i let the fear come in and i react out of that and it's all reactive hey let me help you out with something Tenderness heals, and hardness hoards. The, on, the, the way that you are going to function in this world and get along with people and not live offensively or not continually being offended because the easiest people to offend are those that are already offended, and the people that are most offensive are the people that are already offended. It's just all this offense, Right? And we're like, hey, how are you doing today, (laughs) right? (laughs) Last night you were fine, but how about today, right? So when you go to somebody and you're like, don't be like, because I know you're the most important person in the world, so don't be like, you hurt me. What you did was wrong. We know that those are reactive statements. We know that those are usually... Functioning from a place of guarded, saying, you did this to me rather than I love you. Let's get this resolved so we can be in fellowship with one another. That's what you call tenderness. This is the way Jesus would respond. Well, Jesus didn't act that way to the religious. They were hard-hearted people. They They weren't after Jesus. They were full of religion. Come on, they had every strike against them. But look how Jesus handled the tender always with healing because tenderness heals so don't go into situations like that I wanted to talk to you about something you offended me that really made me mad when you did that you said this that and the other that ain't right what you did do you see how this is all reactive? It's the hoarding talking. So what we got to do is we got to be tender and say, listen, I really love you, but it really kind of hurt my feelings the other night when you said that. And so did I do something to offend you? Are you guys with me? And this is how we respond and live tenderly, not subjectively and... From my point of view, well, your point of view is not the most important point of view. So when I see people act silly like this, they react, I think, there's boxes. Let's get rid of some of the boxes. So I try not to be offensive to these people. I try to deal tenderly because tenderness heals Colossians 3 verse 12 since God has chosen you to be holy the holy people he loves you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience Make allowance for others' faults. What are their faults? They're offensive. They're mean. Make allowances for others' faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. Listen, God wants us to be people of peace. He doesn't want us to be people that have all this junk that we're trying to function through. I was reading this story today about Ruth, and you guys probably are familiar with the story, and I'm not going to go into great detail tonight, but I I was sitting there, and I I was reading what she said. Ruth was a, a godly woman, and she loved God. Well, then, through a series of circumstances, she lost her husband and her two sons. Now, her sons were grown. They were married men, but she had lost everyone that could take care of her. And the only people that were left were the daughter-in-laws, uh, the, the wives of her, of her boys. And so here's this woman that had tragedy come upon her. And someone said to her, they said, Ruth, which means tenderness and she said don't call me that anymore call me bitter I'm sorry I said Ruth Naomi <laughs> her name is Naomi one of the daughter-in-laws name was Ruth right I'm right now okay <laughs> and I'm all confused am I telling the story right? so all this happens to Naomi and she's like my name Naomi it means tenderness don't call me tender anymore call me bitter i'm bitter god has done this to me this is what she said we you know that was her perspective scripture doesn't actually say that god did that it just says that she said that god did that god took my boys god took my husband all i've got are my my daughter-in-laws to take care of me don't don't call me tender call me bitter Everybody kept calling her tender it's interesting So, through the tenderness of one of her daughter in laws who was like a real daughter to her, she said, Listen, I'm not going to go. She said, Go back home. She's like, Basically, let me die. I just want to die. Leave me alone. Go back. Find a new husband. Find a new life. Do this. Just go. And then Ruth says, No. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I want to love like you love. And then over over a period of time, I encourage you to go home and read it. Over a period of time, we see that God uses the tenderness of Ruth to heal the bitterness of Naomi. And we've got to become a people that are allowing tenderness to rule in our heart, that we will communicate tenderly. And number four, Kill the killers. What are the killers? The killers are those boxes. Jesus shares a story. In Matthew chapter 18, Peter comes to Jesus, and he's like, hey, Jesus, he's like, if someone sins against us, if someone does us dirty, how many times should we forgive them? Like seven times? That's good, Lord, right? Like Like if they... Like, jack us around and do us dirty seven times? Then we can be wise, Lord? Right? That's what we call it, right? When we we live guarded, we call it wisdom. And Jesus is like, Nah. how about like 70 times seven? How about some number that's like way beyond your imagination or comprehension? How about just, you know, Jesus could have said like infinity, and he said, "Listen, Peter, the kingdom is like this." And he starts telling this story about a king who had a servant, and the servant, or, or he had a debtor, and the debtor owed him owed him money. And he said, "Well, you're going to have to come and work for me, you and your family, because you owe us all this money." It was, it was a servant that borrowed money, and then he said, you're going to have to become a slave, you're going to have to hire your family, all this kind of stuff. So the man pleads with the king, and the king's like, okay, 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 okay. I'll forgive you of your debt. i just forgive you of your debt. He forgives him, um, and, and I'm probably butchering the story, but basically he forgives him what's equivalent today to $7.5 million of debt. So this guy's like, okay, I'm free, sweet. Goes out, and as soon as he leaves, he goes and finds a man who owes him a million dollars. Now, he owed 7.5 million. This guy owes him a million. So as soon as he gets forgiven, he goes and demands the man who owes him a million dollars, a very small fraction of what he had, and demands that that man pays him and so the king says this he says "We'll take the man go throw him in prison and have him tortured one of the translations says this have him handed him hand him over to the torturers until he has paid his entire debt not the man that owed a million but the man that once owed 7.5 million that said hey I have some rights here. You know, dead men don't have rights. (laughs) Come on. The problem with hoarding is hoarding tortures us. Every day. Every day we live with the anger. We live with the hurt. We live with the bitterness we live with the resentment we live with boxes full of questions and Jesus is simply saying I forgive you will you forgive and by not forgiving we're saying thanks Lord but I'll keep my boxes because you don't understand Jesus. So kill the killers. Stop letting your hoarding talk in and start allowing and functioning with tenderness. Listen, we have all have issues. Maybe they're small boxes. Maybe they're big boxes. Maybe you've got rooms and garages and attics full of boxes. But I believe tonight that God wants to move some boxes.